Are you looking for a comprehensive and convenient online health fitness training platform? Look no further than Vikido Fitness Academy. With a variety of programs designed to meet your needs, this platform offers everything from weight loss and wellness group coaching programs to an emotional intelligence course. You'll learn what to eat in order to achieve optimal health and energy levels. You'll have access to exercise training, live coaching meetups with myself, Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and other instructors, as well as support and accountability throughout your journey. Whether you prefer to work out at home or at your favorite gym, Vikido Fitness Academy makes it easy to follow along with their programs. So get started on your journey to better health and fitness. Visit vikidofitness.com forward slash VDF Academy. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today we talk about research articles and hot topics. Our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 84. Can high dosage of vitamin D prevent diabetes? The USDA proposes new rules to cut sugar and salt in school meals. A research study suggests that a healthy BMI and adequate sleep both are independently associated with lower risk of long COVID. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks Bright. How are you today, Dee? I am doing well, Dr. Vicki Doe. Doing well. How about yourself? I am doing fine. Yes, the weather is cold, but it's okay. I know, but you know, I thought, well, we've been going through all kinds of ups and downs and stuff. And I thought, well, they said this week we're supposed to be going into the 50s, but I can't tell. I know, right? Right. You know, you walk out in the morning, you don't know whether to wear a coat or a sweater or... I know. And I remember it was last Friday. I went to go drop off and and do an errand. I was driving. And the next thing you know, it was a lot of snow. It was like a whiteout. It was weird. Right. Me too. I was on Route 11 last week and it was like, where'd all this come from? Just out of the blue. Now, it was cold as all get out because it was when I looked, it was like 14 degrees or something like that. How about that? One day is 14 degrees. The next day is 43. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. That's crazy. And so when people keep talking about uh, global warming, glo- you know, because they're, they're clueless, you know, they think we're I supposed know. to be uh, hot. No, they don't it, understand. No, it's, it's, the, it's just the wishy-washy of stuff. And yeah, then, it is. And then you it see is. that big old earthquake that they had in um, Turkey. Wasn't it Turkey? They got that big earthquake. Well, I was just getting ready to mention when you talk about global warming mm. um, and this earthquake that now the number's up to what? Um, 12,000? 12, 12, Isn't that crazy? 
That's crazy. That's crazy. So that is crazy. So we we are all being affected by the weather. Well, you know, and like I said, the polar bears are drowning. That's the hint. Today it is episode two hundred and forty-eight, and today we talk about research articles and hot topics that we think are worth looking at and talking about. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number eighty-four. Can high dosage of vitamin D prevent diabetes? Well, they're doing research and research has shown that daily higher doses of um, vitamin D, the supplementation may help stave off diabetes. But we'll definitely talk about that. We will talk about that. Most especially is saying that it will, you know, reduce the risk of diabetes in at-risk population. And so we're going to talk about that today. The USDA, it proposes new rules to cut sugar, salt in school meals. And so they're going to start with the high sugar foods first. It will be targeted first. And then by fall 2027, sugar will only account for less than 10% of a meal. And so wow. who's re- who's regulating that? The USDA. Oh, okay. Well, they had to do something because childhood obesity is just ridiculous. They had to do something. You're right. Yeah. And most especially since we talk about, you know, being healthy and, and doing healthy cooking and eating, we urging our parents to do so. And then yeah. they send their kids to school and they getting all that junk. Sugary, <laughs> sugary junk, right. Yeah, Good. unhealthy stuff. So it's about time, you know. It's Good. about time. As Lizzo would say, it's about damn time. That's it. As she would say, <laughs> that's exactly it. We talk about, we're going to talk about all of these articles and much more on this episode. And as always, we're going to find out what's the latest with our very own, our one and only Dr. D. Banks. And she's going to tell us what's the latest, you know, what's up with the latest cases of measles right here in Ohio. She will talk about that. And whatever else we need to pay attention to or run away from, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And all the things that we need to do to keep healthy and well. So stay tuned to all of the information that we have in store for you today. Well, make sure, folks, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. It's all about health and fitness Vicky Doe Fitness on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. And when you subscribe, you will be notified. You will be notified first when we post a new show. And so you will be able to listen, learn, and experience our shows where we bring in other guests. We bring in other guests and we talk about the things that that are important for our health and our well-being and our community. And as you know, we just don't talk about our physical health, but we also talk about things that we can do to preserve our mental health as well. And so we believe in total well-being here at Vicky Doe Fitness, and that's having a holistic approach to healthy living. So make sure, make sure folks, that you do not miss any of our shows and subscribe today. And last but not least, go on Apple. Go on Apple Podcasts. Um, give us a five-star rating and review about this show. Make sure you do that because 
that is how we grow and increase our listeners. And we definitely appreciate you. And as always, Dee, what do we say? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, D, it's February. I know, but you know what? It's February the 8th, so it's marching on. It is marching on, and I am ready. You know, this is Heart Month. We talked about that last podcast. It's also Love Month. It's Black History Month. It's a lot of stuff going on, yes. But I like the Love Month because this month is my anniversary month. Oh, yes. How many years? Uh, 27 or 28. I wow. got to go back. And that's fabulous. Of us and being, you all get married on Valentine's Day? No, on the 29th leap year. So, so technically you've only been married seven years. <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes the marriage just awesome, doesn't exactly, it? <laughs> right. <laughs> technically maybe only seven years. Okay. <laughs> right, yeah. So we, we, we pick when we... When it's leap year, we do, we really do go out. But uh-huh. when it's going to go right into March, we just pick when, what you know, what day we're going to have it. But yeah, so, and then That's my brother, both of my brothers, it's the 10th and then uh, we got the 15th. So we got a lot of birthday months in February. So all Aquarius. All, Aquarius. all Aquarius. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, March is my birthday month, so I'm Pisces. So Pisces, go ahead. Aha. All right. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So to to celebrate my month, I said, let me go on and get me some facials and stuff going on. Yeah. So I love doing that. You know, I always feel great when you when you pamper yourself. Don't you when you go get a facial or your nails done or something. Massage and the whole bit. Even when I get my nails, Manny and Petty and all of that, you just hair and waxing and all of that you just feel so refreshed and so renewed you have to every now and then do that for yourself yes. my sister was the one who told me you we need you need to get a massage at least once a month that's it that's it i you used know, to do the acupuncture but he moved to tampa tampa florida oh, you sure did i thought you were going to the lady in um cleveland well dr. that that's where he was dr oh, dr mal he yeah. was he was at yeah but dr, dr. lu fang yeah i still go there yeah. for all my facials and skincare and they got they have uh, wonderful plant-based eating and stuff so i always order their salads and stuff it's great dr oh, lu wow. jean fing clinic we'll give a shout out to her yes definitely because i went there it was great yes i've been going since 2010 isn't that crazy i know you have right yes but that was because the girls were right up the street remember they would be they at, gilmore. at gilmore yeah and then right. they moved on to case so but now they all grown doing their thing and i still go well but isn't there a place that you used to go to in columbus too where you would get yes. your total body, whatever, yes. spa thing. Yes, yeah. yes. I love... I think that was at, the, that was at my former yes. medical school classmate's place. Yes, yeah. and then he uh, retired. No. Yes. Why am I working? He retired. <laughs> he retired. He was, and- behind me. he was behind me in medical school. Wow. Yeah, he retired. I- I'll ask Brother Bill, because Brother Bill and... Especially my mom. My mom used to go there all the time. But yeah, he retired. And then Brother Bill called me. He was excited because 
he's up there at the VA hospital doing stuff. I oh, said, yeah. Dr. Earl Walker. Yes. I said, I knew he couldn't stay away. No, he's been doing <laughs> this too long. Dr. Earl Walker. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Yes. So he's up there. So, yes, indeed. So, uh, yeah, Brother Bill was excited to tell us that. Oh, that's good. Yeah, so he's still he's still he retired from all his practice and all his mm-hmm. stuff, but he he does do things at the yeah the VA hospital. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because well, he he's good, awesome. Because there are not that many black dermatologists really no. in the country. No, no. You know, but we did we did find another one. Just a, hand, a handful of them. Just a handful, but we did find mm-hmm. Natalie found her name. I think her last name is Hicks, Doctor Hicks, but I'm not sure. But I went with her, and she's African American um, dermatologist. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Very good. Very mm-hmm. good. So yeah, so that's that's my thing that I was scheduling my skincare and just trying to be, you know. Feeling good in this gray weather. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, what did I do? Oh, I know one thing that I did last week in uh-huh. conjunction with my art thing. So okay. on Sunday, this gentleman, his name was Billy uh, Gerard Frank from Granada. Okay. Um, has a show at the Butler. And it's a really good show. I, I really need to go back to get the gist of it. This is for, and, and Lou Zona brought him. And it just happened to be for Black History Month. He, interestingly enough, you know how I go to Italy to that big art exhibition called the Venice Biennale? Yes. Well, interestingly enough, he represented his, has represented his country, Granada, um, since they've been going to the Biennale. They, this, is, this was their fourth time. Billy Frank has represented Granada twice. Okay. And so we had a nice conversation about that because I was asking, I said, I was there last summer, but I didn't see Granada. And he says, well, you know, it's so big, it's hard, you know, about 100 countries are represented. But it was very interesting. It was very nice meeting him. And then, so that's an exhibition at, that's at the Butler. And then our friend Mabel Turner, okay, he has a show mm-hmm. at the Butler as well. He had an opening about two weekends ago. And, you know, he's our Youngstown treasure. So that show there so you know i was just applauding lou zona about and what they're what they do at the butler is that they they really do a lot of outreach with diversity equity and inclusion okay and bring a lot of students a lot of school kids okay into that museum especially during black history month to expose them to the museum and to the arts and you know i remember when for the links I was doing pre-COVID arranging for uh, school kids to come in. I think we did well, over one year, 150, over Black History Month, one time 150 kids. And I would go and ask them, you know, how many of you all, let's say one group was 50 kids, how many of you have ever been to the Butler? That might be one kid out oh, of wow. 50. You know, the organizations like the Butler, they have a, they have a responsibility to reach out to the community and bring these kids in for exposure because you never know who's going to be the next Billy Frank Gerard so or Maple Turner you know or Al Bright or any of those you know artists that's it and I I used to always teach also about the arts and health and wellness just experiencing Mm -hmm. it seeing it hearing it you know it's just good for our health and well-being you know it is to just be up in the mix to just 
be up in the mix, whether it's dancing or reading or poetry or, you know, novels or music or whatever, just being up in the mix. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. that sounds great, Dee. Yeah. So I want to encourage everybody out there in Radio Land, Podcast Land, to go to the Butler Institute of American Art this month. All right. That's what we And any doing. other time. Any other time. I'm, I'm going to start any going there, time. too, because yeah. I, I love visiting yeah. there. What is going on this week, Dee? Everything, Vicky. Everything. <laughs> Everything. Well, this yesterday, yesterday, February seventh was National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day. Several years ago, the CDC, in their effort again to continue to do outreach, identified certain days or certain months to showcase certain ethnic groups and women, men, gender, and all of that. And so February the 7th was National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day. Black communities have made great progress in reducing HIV. And this is one of the things that happened with COVID, that HIV kind of got put on a back burner. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Mm -hmm. Yet issues such as racism, discrimination, and mistrust in the healthcare system may affect whether Black people seek or receive HIV prevention services. These issues may also reduce the likelihood of engaging in HIV treatment and care. To continue to reduce the burden of HIV and other health risks, people need adequate housing. These are the social determinants of Mm -hmm. health. Mm -hmm. Adequate housing and transportation, employment, access to culturally competent health services that are free of stigma and discrimination and more. And again, these are the social determinants of health, which we saw affected those individuals who got coronavirus. So the CDC, we are proud to join My Brother's Keeper in making HIV Black History Month this National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day. Day, yes. Got it. So when our communities get educated, get tested, get involved, get treatment, we make progress in our goal to stop HIV together. Together, when we work to overcome structural barriers to testing, HIV testing, prevention and treatment, and stop HIV stigma, we help reduce HIV-related disparities and health inequities in Black communities. So National Black HIV AIDS Awareness Day, hashtag Stop HIV Together. And then for more information, which is always the go-to website that I tell everybody about, www.cdc.gov slash HIV. You know, to add on to that, We now have new treatments. For example, if people have been watching television, we've got new injectables Mm. for not only treating, which lastly, you're not taking a pill every day. Mm. So we have injectables for treating or keeping people on medication, but we also have PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis drugs now in injectables so that you don't have to take medication once a day. And all of this stuff has kind of gotten on the back burner because of COVID. And so, you know, technically, we really should not be seeing in this country any new HIV cases because there are all these drugs. If you get on them, if you're high risk, you should not be acquiring HIV AIDS. So we need to kind of go back and step things up with these awareness days. Another one is coming up in March to remind everybody HIV is still here. We still we've made great, great strides. But the battle is um, is not over. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was interesting that they 
they have a day that specifically looks at, you know, black folks, you know, and right. HIV. Right. And AIDS. Right. Yeah. Because we still represent the largest, you know, one of the largest bur- persons who are burdened with this disease, you know, mm-hmm. because of black, because of just those things that I talked about, social determinants of health, you know, housing and, and access to and all of that yeah yeah all right so make sure folks make sure just so that you can spread the word go to www.cdc.gov hashtag yeah hiv okay all right so i watch the ammies the ammies and the grammys that's what i call them ammies grammys and it's always so long (laughs) man that's why i fell asleep it was about four hours it was now at the end because that's why i was trying to stay up for the end because it is they had dj khaled and then they had ho they had jay-z and all them and oh my god make sure guys out there you go youtube Make sure you go on YouTube and look at the performance of God did and just Jay-Z talking and doing his rap in it. That within itself was four minutes. I just love, I love the way he he raps because it just, it, it, it sounds like he's, even though he's speaking, it sounds like he's singing that that I mean it's so smooth. I always love him. What's it called? God did. God did, and that was okay. that was uh, created by DJ Khaled, and you should. Wow. Oh, it was. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. I'll it's do great. that. Absolutely. So that was at the end, but it was all the middle stuff. The middle, what they say, it was going ever witcher, witcher, witcher way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of those fits were. Ugh. I know. I know. I mean. Mm. You know, you try to figure out, well, who told you this looked good? <laughs> I mean, and these are people who have tons of money, who can afford anything. And it's kind of like, well, when you went out of the door, what made you think that this was a good idea? I know. Every time I'm watching either the Grammys or the Oscars or whatever, I always make sure I take that part because I know I'm going to yeah. be in and out. But I make sure that I stay and watch the e uh, red carpet because yeah, i like too. to yeah i like to see me what too. kind of fashion you know one of the things that kind of irritated me a little bit was kind of like sam smith got an award with this other woman who was transgender woman mm-hmm. um, from germany and i mean she was very pretty but i guess what what sort of irked me was that you know how billy porter our billy porter, yes yes always wears always a gown and pants. Well, Sam Smith copied the same thing when he went up there with her with that red gown, pants, concoction. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, you kind of took that from Billy Porter. Yeah, but it didn't look... it didn't look I like mean, nothing on him. It looked nasty I on mean, him. I'm sorry. It, he was. He just was kind of, you know, he's kind of made him look like an igloo. <laughs> 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 he looked like an igloo. <laughs> he looked like an igloo. A red igloo, right? A red igloo. I mean, really, it was just all. Just it it, all it had no shape. It had no shape. Done. You know, Billy Porter, his 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 outfits have that. It's the class and the, the pizzazz, and you know, you can tell that a lot of work goes into those yes. outfits that he obviously is 
you know, non-binary, I guess is the yes, term. Yes, yes. But Sam Smith trying to copy that, it just it didn't work. wasn't working for him. It no. did not work. It did not work. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. Now, so I like Lizzo. Up. She looked she looked way better, she didn't did. she? Oh, my. She looked great, didn't she? Yes, you could tell. She looked very classy. She did. She did. Because some of the times, what, what she be wearing, you know, I mean, like, ooh, uh, ooh. I mean, Lizzo. I mean, you can really. embrace you can embrace your shape and exactly. all of that, but you can also tell that she is working on her her you shape because she she's, she's she she's um lost weight. I think so too. I noticed and, that as well. And it, yeah. and, and I don't care what you say. We talk about bootylicious and shape and all that kind of stuff. It's about health, and you it just will catch up to her. You know, she'll look at those numbers, and then all of a sudden, she'll be pre-diabetic, and there it will. There yeah. it is. You know, and her, hypertension and all these things that ultimately catch up with you. you yeah. Know? So, so I, 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 I like she it. Is, I'm glad to see that. Yeah, because it definitely looked like she's um, lost mm-hmm. weight. And she mm-hmm. just she just looked happier, didn't she? She did. She did. Mm-hmm. So really kudos did. to her. But everybody, yeah. you know, it was it was great. The the Grammys, you know, you know, it was OK. But I was just a little bit disappointed that, you know, yeah, Harry, Harry Styles, he did his stuff, but he got plenty years to do his stuff. Look at Beyonce. She been doing she been doing the do. She already got a, the the most Grammys. I mean, right. come on, give the woman the album it of the year. It was her time. You know, she was. I remember she was with uh, what was the name of the singing group before Destiny she Child. Out? Destiny Child. Destiny's Child. Right when her her father was was the manager of all of them, and this was in the late nineties. Yes. And you know, here we are, twenty. So she's paid her dues. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She has paid her dues. Mm-hmm. So, you know, give her give her her props. It was it was her time. He's got plenty of time to, you know, to to come back and really show that it, that, you know, I guess my thing is to show people that that even if he was nominated, that it's not a fluke. Right. You can come back with other albums, yes, you know, to be yes. nominated again, because sometimes when some of these people win these awards, it's like, oh, that's just a fluke. You know, right. you never see them again. They're like one hit wonders. Right. But yeah, know, so that so. that was very interesting. But I did mm-hmm. like that Viola Davis. She got the EGOT. Remember? She did. How about that? Not that many people. Yes. Whoopi Goldberg is an EGOT. And then uh, Jennifer Hudson just did. Jennifer Hudson. Right. So that's hey. So those out you in, in podcast land, that's an Emmy, a Grammy, an uh, Oscar, Tony, and an Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's neat. Yeah. So that was good. And then of course it's the 50th anniversary of hip hop. Yes, yes, I yes. I that. Did they do a Did they do oh, a, a dance and, and presentation? Yeah, all they had Dr. all the. Dre, Dr. Dre was there. They had all the different artists from way back come and oh, do like a 30 second yeah you got to go on and watch that do like a 30 yeah. second you know d- their what their song was you know their main song and boom uh-huh. they off the stage then it's somebody else coming and you know what you call them put that all together you know the roots you know oh. quest love no. uh, yes Oh, no, I didn't realize that. Okay. And then LL, LL Cool J was a big part of that as well. Oh, I so, like him. Yeah, so you gotta, you definitely got to go back and I watch will. that. I will. I'll definitely pull that up. No question. Yes. Okay. And then Dr. Dre, they have a category that's a award category that he was a part of. It will be on there forever now. It's called the inaugural Dr. Dre Global Impact Award. And so they gave it mm. to him 
the first recipient. Yeah, because that's mm-hmm. coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he won that. But that's his award that they're going to be giving for, you know, uh, global impact mm-hmm. to okay. artists that are, you know, had a global impact on their music and all of their artistry and, mm-hmm. and so forth. So, yeah. Good. That's good. So that was that. a lot of money. He's paid his dues, too, over time. Big time. time. Big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and who would have thought that hip-hop would still be alive and well and doing what it's doing? Unbelievable. And it's mainstream. And, and a significant genre. Yeah. Because, you know, people people turn their nose up at it and, you know, it was gangsters and this, that. But it has found its place in the music industry as a significant genre is what I'm yes, trying to say. Exactly. Yeah. All we've been hearing about is the killing of Tyree Nichols. And I saw the video and it was horrible. It was awful. Yeah, it was, it was pretty awful. bad. You know, my friend, he, uh, Ben Crump, I know him. I'm sure you've seen the pictures on Facebook. And mm-hmm. he initially, I met him, my sister and I, and my brother-in-law, we met him on a trip to Morocco. It was at the time he was representing Trayvon Martin's okay. case. Okay. And so here he is. He has come through and uh, George Floyd and all of that. So, you know, what I found very poignant was, and they were talking about it today, mm-hmm. how his mother, Tyree's mother, has been the pillar of strength through mm-hmm. all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, they call her today, you know, America's mother, but the beating of him was just, mm. who does that? Mm. You know, those scenes of them having him sit up on the side of the car and this, that, and the other, and no one, nobody rendering any aid to him at all. No. You know, they just should all summarily be fired or or whatever. They just, you could see them. And then today, the news breaking information Mm -hmm. was that the police officer, which had been rumored to happen, Mm-hmm. Had taken six pictures, five or six pictures, and sent them out. For what? That was le- that was late breaking today. Sent them out they, to what? To show they that they have not. Well, you know, there were rumors that were going around about his Tyree's personal relationship oh, yeah. with some policeman's woman, and it was addressed this morning. Don Lemon tried to get mm-hmm. Ben Crump to expound on this, but he was saying that you know the police department hadn't found any significant evidence to to support that, but. Mm-hmm. There is evidence to show that and they have not released who you know they're going to find out uh-huh. who he sent the pictures to. But there were six photos that were done of him and they showed the film oh, today yes. of after the beating, him taking those photos. So there were six photos that were sent out to some one ones. Yeah. Wow. Does that. And they hadn't even rendered any aid to him. He was still in the process of essentially dying, really. Yeah, because they say he, his um, injuries took over and that's that's how he died because he had excessive I mean, when bleeding. when you kick somebody in the head, that's... Excessive bleeding and all that. That's awful. awful. So, so yeah, we'll see because they did fire him. The chief fired them and they are going to be indicted, but we don't know. We don't know because it still has to go through the justice system and we shall see. It'll it's going to take a while because each one of those officers is going to have their own lawyer that you know they all posted bail i think the bail was like two hundred fifty thousand dollars. so i'm sure mm. i don't know for sure and i haven't vetted it but you know the police unions in most of these cases are are good about that give you know mm-hmm. i shouldn't say good but they support their people mm-hmm. um and mm-hmm. i don't know who else helped but they're out 
Okay. Um, so it's, it's going to be a long process to try to sort through all of this and figure this out. But the bottom line is, as President Biden, I think, was saying last night, they got to pass this George Floyd bill where yes. policemen are have to be accountable mm-hmm. to these kinds of of things and that scorpion team that I guess was put together mm-hmm. in Memphis and you know the intention initially with these kind of squads supposedly is to decrease crime and mm-hmm. and all of that but you go too far you go too far you know and you go too far and you certainly can't be taking out personal stuff on people because you, you got your team there no you, you can't it's you can't just do you that. go too far you, you go, go too, too far. far so we'll have to this is one of those like we'll be staying tuned stay tuned to see what happens yeah we'll see what happens with yeah. this yeah. even the yeah. chief I yeah. know. Yeah. She's come under scrutiny too because she's the one that formed that scorpion team. So yeah. a lot of, there's gonna be a, there's a lot of scrutiny. It's a lot this, of scrutiny uh, that's coming, you know. Yeah. And she started something. Scrutiny. She started something similar, because that was in Memphis. She started. Now, where was she? Where did she start something sim- similar in Atlanta? Yeah, she's coming under scrutiny because. Like you said, that's right. She did have one of these in Atlanta. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And with this one, it, there has been a lot of complaints. A lot of complaints. And they're coming out today. I guess today, another late breaker, a Navy guy, had come home from, from being, you know, deployed or whatever. And he was talking about these same officers did the same bullying and beating of him. Oh, so, wow. You know, they, they have a history. They got a history. All right, D. So what's the latest, D? Yeah. So the latest is, and you know, I was interviewed about this on television about uh, maybe it's been over a month ago, maybe beginning of January. So a central Ohio measles outbreak. The title of the, the article is measles outbreak in Ohio declared over after 85 cases. So when I did the interview on television, they were just in the mix of it, middle of it and in the throes of it. So here is the deal. Okay. So what happened? So a central Ohio measles outbreak among children who were not fully vaccinated is now over. Mm -hmm. This was February the 6th, 2023. Public health officials announced Saturday. Columbus Health down in your neck of the woods, uh, Natalie's neck of the woods, Mm -hmm. your family's neck of the woods. Yes, yes. um, Columbus, uh, Columbus Health declared the outbreak finished with no new cases after a period of 42 days, six weeks, the equivalent of two measles virus incubation periods. Mm. In all, 85 children were known to be infected in the outbreak, including 36 who were hospitalized. City Health Department data shows all but five of the children were five and younger. None of them, none of the children died. We've had low vaccination rates for the MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine in our community for years, but we've never had a measles outbreak like we had now. So it took us by surprise that Dr. Myshika Roberts, who's the health commissioner for the city of Columbus, who told CNN, cases were initially reported in November and early December. Health officials said they began sounding the alarm early to fight the outbreak. They provided information about the virus's ability. And, you know, that's the most contagious virus of all. Mm-hmm. I think it's measles, then chickenpox. Mm-hmm. So so they provided information about the virus's ability to spread easily, and they promoted the importance of getting young children vaccinated against the virus, said Dr. Roberts. In addition, we've had family members of individuals who have been infected with measles who have been very vocal and said they made a mistake. 
They should have gotten their child vaccinated, and I think that has helped, said Dr. Roberts. In central Ohio, the outbreak spread in small pockets of families that had opted out of vaccinating their kids. Vicki, I thought you couldn't get into school without being vaccinated. I know. That used to be, but I don't know if they've changed the rules, and, and maybe people say because of religious purposes or something, but something's happening. But usually, you, you can't. You can't. You got to be just, all right. your stuff. I thought you had to be fully vaccinated. Yeah. So these people who opted out, they were influenced by false information that was distributed about the MMR vaccine, measles, mumps, and rubella being associated with autism, said Dr. Roberts. And those who are unvaccinated, about 90% of those exposed will become infected because it's so contagious, Mm -hmm. according to Columbus Public Health. And about 20% of those who become infected with measles will be hospitalized, CNN reports. Despite the spread misinformation, about 90% of U.S. children will are still vaccinated against measles, mumps, and rubella by age two, according to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It's recommended that children receive an MMR vaccine in two doses. The first is delivered between 12 and 15 months, and the second between ages four and six. That first dose is about 93% effective, and the second brings effectiveness to 97%, CNN reported. The measles virus spreads when an infected person coughs, or sneezes or shares germs on surfaces, and it can live in the air for up to two hours. Wow. Although measles was declared eliminated in the United States in 2000, it sometimes emerges in communities with low vaccination rates. Symptoms are fever, cough, runny nose, watery eyes, a rash of red spots. Rarely it can lead to pneumonia, encephalitis, or death. CNN reported. While we expect importations of measles cases into the United States to continue, the risk for measles for the majority of people still remain, would still remain low, according to the CDC. That's because most people in the United States are vaccinated against measles. And then you have persons like myself who are over the age of 60. I think maybe if you were born like before 1956, Mm. you have natural immunity. Okay. So... There you have it. So the measles outbreak is over in central Ohio. But I would continue to say we still have to be vigilant because we still have these anti-vaxxer people. I know. So it's just a shame. It is a shame. I don't know what to say. But that's what happens when you have, you don't have the right information and people start believing that stuff. I don't Yeah. And it makes yeah, it exactly. it makes it terrible. You, if you're a kid, you got to go by what your mom and parents did. Exactly. You don't have a choice, right? And that's the and that's the problem. You the kids don't have a choice whether to be vaccinated or not. And you know, I tell people too, mm-hmm. measles can lead to blindness and deafness, mm-hmm. not just the encephalitis. So if they live, many of them become blind and or deaf. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. There well, it. there it is. Well, thank you, D. You are welcome. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood-Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood-Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicki Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education 
for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our on-site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Well, today we talk about hot topics and research articles. And our topic today is what's new? Hot topics number 84. And so our first article is says USDA proposes new rules to cut sugar and salt in our school meals. And so this was written in Health Day News. Key takeaways for this article is that there will soon be less sugar and salt in U.S. school lunches once tougher nutrition rules take effect. And the USDA said that Friday, high sugar foods will be targeted first. And by fall 2027, sugar can only account for less than 10 percent of a meal. Meanwhile, salt content in meals will be reduced by 30 percent by fall 2029. And so the article says American school children could be getting school lunches that have less sugar and salt in the future thanks to new nutrition standards announced by the U.S. Department of Agriculture on Friday. These are the first school lunch program updates since 2012, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture. What's different this time is a limit on added sugars starting in the 2025-2026 school year. Limits would at first target high sugar foods, including sweetened cereals. We always talk about that. Yogurts and flavored milks. By fall 2027, added sugars must be less than 10% of total calories a week for school breakfasts and lunches. Sugary grain foods like muffins or donuts can't be served more than twice a week at breakfast. Another example is that an 8-ounce container of chocolate milk must contain no more than 10 grams of sugar under the revised rules. Some popular flavored milks contain twice that amount. Many children aren't getting the nutrition they need, and diet-related diseases are on the rise. Research shows school meals are the healthiest meals in a day for most kids, proving that they are an important tool for giving kids access to the nutrition they need for a bright future. And this was said by Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, uh, mm-hmm. and he said an agency in a news release. Vilsack said the agency's goal is to get school guidelines to align with U.S. dietary guidelines for the nearly 30 million children who eat lunch at school and the 15 million who have breakfast there. Isn't that a lot? That's a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, that was the thing when the COVID thing hit and so many schools were closed. One of the big controversies was that that's the place where the kids get their food. 
I know. You know, get their get the lunch and breakfast. Otherwise, a lot of these kids wouldn't eat. They wouldn't be eating. Yeah. So that's that's a lot. The American Heart Association applaud the move by proposing to limit the amount of added sugars in school meals for the first time ever. The USDA has taken a major step toward helping children achieve a more nutritious diet and better health. The AHA, the American Heart Association, said in a statement, added sugars are a significant source of excess calories and provide no nutritional value and may cause weight gain and increase risk for cardiovascular disease, diabetes, and other chronic health conditions. And this was said by the American Heart Association. But sugar won't be the only thing targeted in the updated rules. Sodium will be capped to stay Good. yes, to stay in alignment with recommendations that kids 14 and up have less than 2,300 milligrams per day. The recommended limits are less for younger children. Uh, sodium content will be reduced in school meals by 30% by fall 2029. So here is a summary of the proposed rules. Proposed rule for school meal standards. And this was written by the USDA Food and Nutrition Service. It says, we all share a common goal, raising healthy kids and helping them reach their full potential. School meals are the main source of nutrition for millions of kids every school day. Here are some ways USDA is proposing to make these meals even more nourishing while still keeping them appealing to kids. We welcome your feedback on these changes through public comments. And I want to remind folks, you definitely can go on this um, site. I'll have it in our show notes and do some public comments. Okay, so when you go down, it says added sugars, limit using a phase approach. They're using a phase approach. Phase one, limits on specific high sugar products like yogurt and cereal. Phase two, overall weekly limits across all meals. Then if you look at milk, allow some flavored milk with reasonable limits of added sugars. Then whole grains, offer products that are primarily whole grain with the option for occasional non-whole enriched grain products. And then when you get to sodium, reduce weekly limits gradually and in line with FDA's recommend recommendations for industry. And so high school st uh, student lunches now average about 1,280 milligrams of sodium, and that would drop to 935 milligrams. More than 90% of children consume too much sodium and taste preferences, including those from salty food and beginning early in life, the AHA said. The new sodium recommendations would be phased in overtime to help schools make the transition, and the proposed limits would be achievable for schools and effectively lower sodium consumption. A 60-day public comment period on the 280-page plan Starts February the 7th. So it's already started, folks. Yesterday. Yes, it's a 60-day public comment period. And you have uh, on this 280-page plan. So it starts soon. It starts, well, it started yesterday. So not everyone thinks the changes are the answer. Some school programs are at a breaking point. And this was said by Diana Pratt-Hevner, um, spokeswoman for the trade group School Nutrition Association told the Associated Press that these programs are simply not 
equipped to meet the additional rules. Courtney Game, president of the Sugar Association, expressed concern about the use of sugar substitutes and said the proposal ignores the many functional roles sugar plays in food. But Katie Wilson, executive director of the Urban School Food Alliance, said, well, she told the AP that the changes are necessary to help America's children lead healthier lives. And so what does this mean for you? Your kids may soon start getting school lunches with less sugar and salt in them as the USDA tightened its nutritional standards. So there it is, folks. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a long, you know, long time coming because we've known that, like I said, you know, the, the health of our children, you know, are starting to get diseases that we didn't see until they got to be adults. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the stuff that they're eating at school just got gotten out of control. So I'm glad they're dialing this back. And, you know, it doesn't mean that because you don't have a lot of sugar, things can't taste good. Right. Um, and I'm glad they're attacking because I think you have to simultaneously attack sodium at the same time you t- attack sugar. Oh, because, big time. Because a lot of sodium has been in these processed foods. That's yes. part of the problem. You know, and a lot of these processed foods, you know, these kids may eat up their daily allotment of sodium before they even go home for dinner. Oh, big so time. I'm glad. I applaud them. Yes, yeah. I applaud them. Kudos to them, right? Yeah, kudos to them. Absolutely. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Well, our second article, D, is healthy lifestyle before infection linked to lower long COVID risk. This article, healthy lifestyle before infection linked to lower long COVID risk. A healthy BMI and adequate sleep both independently associated with risk of long COVID. So the article goes on to say a healthy lifestyle before COVID infection was associated with a substantially lower risk of a post-COVID condition, PCC, or long COVID, a prospective cohort study suggested. Over 19 months of follow-up, women in the Nurses' Health Study 2 cohort who self-reported five to six healthy lifestyle factors, healthy body mass index, BMI, never smoking, high-quality diet, moderate alcohol intake, regular exercise, and adequate sleep, had a 49% lower risk of post-COVID condition compared with women with no healthy lifestyle fact, reported Siwen Wang of Harvard, the T.H. Chan School of Public Health in Boston, and colleagues. In a model adjusted for all lifestyle factors, those that were independently associated with risk of post-COVID condition were healthy BMIs, anywhere from 18.5 to 24.9, and adequate sleep, 79 hours a night. And that was noted in the JAMA, Journal of the American Association Internal Medicine Journal. The population attributable risk percentage for all six healthy lifestyle factors in combination with 36% indicating that if these associations were causal, 36% of post-COVID cases would have been avoided if all participants had five or six healthy lifestyle factors prior to the pandemic, Wang and his team wrote. 
They noted that among the women who developed post-COVID conditions, all COVID symptoms were less prevalent in those with higher healthy lifestyle scores, with the exception of, of smell, taste problems, and headache. Adherence to five to six versus zero to four healthy lifestyle factors was associated with lower risk of daily life impairment due to post-COVID, although the confidence interval was wide, they added. Previous studies have shown that a combination of lifestyle factors had a dose-response association with low-risk COVID, with lower risk of COVID hospitalization and mortality. In the current study, Wang and colleagues said that several biological mechanisms may explain the observed associations. Sustained systemic inflammation has been implicated in the development of post-COVID condition. They wrote, chronic inflammation may predispose individuals to excessive release of cytokines after infection, subsequently increasing risk for long-term complications in multiple organs. Second, these unhealthy lifestyle factors dysregulate adaptive autoimmunity, which has been found in individuals with post-COVID. Future research should investigate whether lifestyle interventions may reduce risk of developing post-COVID condition or mitigate symptoms among individuals with post-COVID conditions or possibly other post-infection syndromes, they concluded. For this prospective cohort study, Wang and team included 1,981 women with a positive COVID test, SARS-CoV-2 test, from April 2020 to November 2021 from the Nurses' Health Study 2. The mean age was 64.7, 97.4% were white. Well, that's not the greatest study because there's there's your disparity. Yes. There's your disparity. Right. And there, there may be some implicit biases with that because mm-hmm. African-Americans may start out with not the greatest of those risk factors. You know right. what I mean? Right. BMI is certainly higher than 24. Right, right. 42.8% were active healthcare workers. So this is kind of biased a little bit. Yeah, but the participants, but look, most research is. That's true. And you would know. Because, right. right. you know, they ain't going into our community. That's why we always no. advocate. Listen, you got you to gotta be testing and doing stuff on black folks. Yeah, I and mean, women. you have 97.7% white, that's a skewed look at that because typically trying to find a significant portion, I'm not saying that everybody's BMI is high enough. I'm not trying to say that, but you know what I'm saying. Yes. The, 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 well, we still 82% are either overweight or obese. Right. That's what I'm trying to say. When, yes. So you come to the table with those already. Already. So yeah. the participants reported pre-infection lifestyle habits in 2015 and 2017. Adequate exercise was defined as at least 150 minutes per week of moderate to vigorous physical activity. Moderate alcohol intake was defined as 5 to 15 grams per day. One drink contains 10 grams of alcohol. And a high-quality index was defined as the upper 40% of alternate healthy eating index 2010 score. COVID infections concerned by tests, confirmed by tests, and post-COVID condition, at least four weeks of symptoms were self-reported in seven surveys administered from April 20th, 2020 to November 2021. Post-COVID condition was reported in 44% of the cohort, 87% reported symptoms lasting at least two months, and 56.5% occasional daily life impairment. The most commonly reported symptoms were fatigue, 57% smell and taste problems, 40.9, shortness of breath, 25.3, confusion, disorientation, brain fog, 21.6, and memory issues. 
the study is not generalizable to the general public. Okay, here we go. Since it was conducted primarily in a population of white, middle-aged female nurses, Wang and team noted. Mm. So there you have it, Vicki. There it is. Although SARS-CoV-2 and post-COVID condition were self-reported, validity is likely high given the population participating, they added. Importantly, less than 10% of participants had received their first COVID vaccine before becoming infected. A higher number of people are now vaccinated and results may not be attributable to newer COVID strains. So there's a lot of issues here. Yes. As they say, a lot of issues here. Issues. Issues. That's it. It's interesting. It's an interesting study, but I think it needs to be further tweaked and a more representational yes. body of people. Exactly. That's Much exactly. more representational because that just isn't it, really. No. So what will we say, though? Will we say that? Uh, well, it's interesting. I mean, and I think it, it, mm-hmm. still, it still points to the fact of, and I'm not poo-poo-pooing yes. a healthy, healthy living. I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yes. Number mm-hmm. one, that's just period. I just say, let's just say it's, it's important to have a to have healthy lifestyles, uh, a, a BMI that's, you know, within normal or whatever, not obese or overweight. Mm-hmm. Um, activity, healthy diet and exercise and all that, I, period. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to further look at mm-hmm. whether or not that is associated with lower, lower um, mm-hmm. post-COVID as opposed to not. Yeah, but put it, yeah, so, put it across the board. We, we can't yeah. say in the Caucasian population, yeah, but for- In the for, group that they studied. In the group that they the studied, that they yeah. Studied, it yeah. was lower. Yeah. But there are a lot of other groups that don't meet this criteria. Exactly. So we need to see what's the, what that's about. That's exactly it. And yeah. so, yeah, healthy lifestyle, though, is always a winner, period. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. No it's question. always a winner. So yeah. Yeah. that's what we will say. Now, yeah. our last article, we're going to- Go ahead and do this. It says, can high dose vitamin D prevent diabetes? And so this was written by uh, MedPage today. And it says, can high dose vitamin D prevent diabetes? While three trials found no net benefit, combining them yields significant risk reduction. And so it says, daily higher dose vitamin D supplementation may help stave off diabetes in an at-risk population researchers reported in a meta-analysis of three randomized clinical trials, vitamin D reduced the risk for type 2 diabetes by 15% in people with prediabetes. And that was a 95% CI. And in a model adjusted for age, gender, body mass index, race, and the hemoglobin A1C, according to Anastasios Peters, who's a doctor at the Tufts Medical Center in Boston and colleagues. OK, so this translated to a 3.3 percent absolute risk reduction over the course of three years. The research wrote this in Annals of Internal Medicine, the reduced risk of full blown diabetes among vitamin D users persisted in a secondary analysis 
that excluded those who stopped taking the trial pills, started using a diabetes or weight loss medication, or took the supplemental vitamin D at a dose above 1,000 IU. IU means international units outside the trial. And so PETA's group also found that those who took the vitamin D supplementation had a 30% increased likelihood of returning to normal glucose levels. And the third trials included participants took 20,000 IUs. And that's a lot. That's a lot. That equals to 500 uh, micrograms. And so I looked up, I said, let me go back and look. Yeah, one microgram. Let's think about this. One microgram of vitamin D is equal to 40 IUs. Okay. This is 20,000 IUs. That's a lot. That's a lot. So think about that. Then they had cholecalciferol. And this is a, this is, we call it D2. And that's the daily use of that. 4,100 MCGs. That's micrograms. Okay. So 75.75 micrograms daily of Eldicalcitol DPVD study, all compared with matching placebo. Lead investigators from all three trials were involved in the meta-analysis. However, accompanying editorial authors, Malika McKinney, who's a physician uh, at the University College Dublin, and Mary Flynn, a Ph.D. R.D., of Food Safety Authority of Ireland, Dublin, pointed out that on their own, all three of these trials found similarly non-significant diabetes risk reductions mm. associated with vitamin D supplementation. So, mm. you know, we got this 220,000 IU per mm. week study. Then you got the D2D study. Then you had the DPVD study. Peters and colleagues argue the standalone original trials were simply underpowered to detect this benefit on diabetes progression. Although the degree of relative reduction in risk for diabetes with vitamin D is small, 15% compared with other diabetes prevention strategies, the three-year absolute risk reduction was 3.3% translating to a number of persons with prediabetes needed to treat to treat of 30 that's compared with seven with intensive lifestyle modification and 14 with the uh, metformin in the diabetes prevention program study the group said extrapolating to the more than 374 million adults worldwide who have prediabetes suggest that inexpensive, this is what they're saying, inexpensive vitamin D supplementation could delay the development of diabetes in more than 10 million people, they estimated. While no safety signals emerge in any of the meta-analysis, no increased risk for kidney stones. Yeah, these are the, some of the things that you get. Hypercalcemia. There were no increased risk for this. So, Metkina and Flynn warned that very high doses, yeah, of vitamin D supplements may cause harm beyond the 10 to 20 MCG or the micrograms. That's beyond 400 to 800 IU daily. 
that is considered safe. Yeah. So considered safe is 400 to 800 IU. These guys were doing 20,000. Yeah, that's a lot. So professional societies which advise physicians about benefits and harms of vitamin D therapy have a duty of care to understand advice from government agencies, they continued and said. They should promote population health recommendations about vitamin D intake requirements. The 25 OHD thresholds, that's the D2 thresholds and safe limits. When the three trials were combined, there was a total of 4,190 individuals, 2,097 who received vitamin D and 2,093 who received the placebo. The average age was 61 years and 44% were women. About half were white, 15% black and 33% Asian. The average BMI was 29.5. The hemoglobin A1C was 5.9 at baseline. Over the medium three-year follow-up, there were 475 new diabetes cases diagnosed among those taking vitamin D versus 524 across the placebo groups. In a subgroup analysis, PETA's group found the risk reduction was far more pronounced for those who maintain the higher serum 25 hydroxyvitamin D levels when compared with those who those who maintain lower serum levels doing follow-up following within the 50 to 74 nanomoles per liter, that is 20 to 29 NG per milliliter range. Those who maintain levels of at least 125 nanomole per liter, that's less than or greater than 50%, had a 76% reduced risk for progression to diabetes. This translated to a three-year absolute risk reduction of 18.1%. Okay, so it is reducing. Mm -hmm. But the editorialists raised concern, pointing out that this optimal effect for vitamin D supplementation was seen above this threshold, 125 nanomoles per liter, 25, that's the hydroxy or the D2 threshold, okay, corresponding to a daily intake. What does all that mean? That means taking a daily intake of 4,000 IUs. That's more, way more than we, than, than yeah, because it's supposed to be 400 to 400. 800. Okay, so that that is what most government agencies like the NIH, they set as the highest level of daily vitamin intake to yeah. avoid, you know, unnecessary. So, so even so, there is a concern for that. So what does all that mean? That means that, yes, vitamin D, they, they are testing vitamin D for a lot of things, for heart disease, for losing weight, for a lot of stuff. The problem, infection. infection. But the problem is that the higher you go with the doses, there's uh, side effects. I mean, you, you just got to be careful, yeah. um, mostly especially because it is a fat soluble vitamin. What does that mean? It doesn't. It doesn't go with your urine like the water solubles. You know, if you get too much of the water soluble vitamins, you know, like vitamin C, you know, you just pee it out. You okay. Right. But for vitamin D, it's fat soluble. So what does that mean? That means that if you get too much, it takes it away. Like it like if you eat too much calories and fat, it'll go ahead and store it. And so 
all that means is that like fat is being stored your vitamin D, if you get too much, it'll be stored. And so that's where you can develop the side effects and toxicity. So, I mean, you just definitely got to be real careful when you do these outrageous. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, 4,000 international units, that's a lot. I mean, my doctor being postmenopausal gave me, but my vitamin D is twice a week. And what's your you know? I, what's your IU's about what? A little bit. I, you know, I, just, I was... I to remember, I don't even remember the dosage. That's terrible. Okay. okay. But um, I, I want to say maybe 800 international units yes. twice a week, something like that, but something nowhere near that. Um, and you don't want to get, like you said, hypercalciuria. Now you start getting stones and all of that. And Kidney all stones. the problems that it comes with stones that Ugh. Dr. Doe and I see on a daily basis. That's terrible. You know, they can block your ureters, cause all kinds of urinary tract infections. Now you got to call urology to come do lithotriptis. Is it worth it? Mm, no, it's not. So, no. At least we are presenting what they're looking yeah. at. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. they're looking at. Yeah, they are looking at vitamin D for a lot of things, a lot of things, exactly. a lot of things. And so but that's the issue. The issue is the dose. You know, how much yeah. the issue how, is the dose? How much can we give without causing right. more problems than benefit? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, D, this ends our show. So do you have tips that we should think about? Yeah, the first tip is to get your kids vaccinated. I mean, yes. you know, when I went on television, I, I was talking about not a lot of people because people miss doses. I remember when I, my kids were at a and like I said, that's why I thought that you had to be, you know, you couldn't do it without school. They were always calling the ID doctor because I had missed some dose on my kid. <laughs> but you need to get your kids vaccinated. Stay on top of your kids' immunizations and don't rely on you know, go and look and see what your kids need. Um, the other thing is that some of the topics that we've talked about today that went into effect yesterday, the U.S. United States Department of Agriculture proposed is now going to be cutting sugar and sodium in your kids' meals at school. That's good. Mm -hmm. That should help to contribute towards those healthy lifestyle, healthy BMIs and all those things that we were talking about, we've been talking about today. Healthy lifestyle changes before infection linked to lower long code COVID risk, we did admit that that article needed to be tweaked a little bit because it was a very small segment of the population. But we did agree that those things that they were looking at in terms of defining health and wellness were probably some good indicators of BMI and exercise diet and so forth. And then looking at the last article on can high dose vitamin D I think there we the article did show some risk reduction in those people who had a sustained vitamin D elevate, elevated level, but the issue is sustained, sustained without side effect. Without and side so, effects. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that's that's the issue. Sustainable. They, you've got to have sustainable levels, and those sustainable levels have to be done at the risk of making sure that the person doesn't have side effects taking all that vitamin D. Yes, indeed. And so overall. I would say that we still should make sure we doing healthy lifestyle either or, right. right? Because it sure does help with with a lot of these things and it's so interesting. I'm just really thrilled at how now that medicine they're looking at vitamins and and mm -hmm. healthy lifestyle now in, yeah. in helping to to deal with all these chronic diseases, right? Yeah. Um, a, a lot of these chronic diseases were brought on by, you know, you say, well, there's nothing you can do about that. Well, yeah, you can. Yeah. You know, I think people are researchers are starting to say, 
you can't you can't change your genetics right but you can change some of those things that you're doing on a daily basis to affect some healthy living changes yeah i might point out it's it's beginning of february still not too late to have your new year's resolutions of diet exercise and all of that yeah i'm still not too late Uh if you fall off the wagon get right back up on it and keep it moving keep it moving yes this is 2023 and yes we got things coming at us but we gonna be armored up and ready exactly exactly (laughs) we are going to be ready and as always d for more information to make sure you go to our website vickidofitness.com and remember if you have any questions comments or just something to say tweet us email us go on facebook and share with us your thoughts you've been listening to it's all about health and fitness with dr vicky hayward doe and dr virginia banks bright Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.